So do you want to start by introducing yourself? Okay. Uh, my name is Tim. Tim Cheong. Uh, I am a caseworker and uh, uh, in SG Accident Help Centre. I also do uh, youth engagement programs with schools and other organisations. Um, one of my hobbies is singing, and uh, I've got actually many hobbies, but this is the one uh, that uh, is most most public. Yeah. Okay. So, um, for those that um, don't know, could you give us a, a bit of background organization? What SG Accident does is it looks to, um, or it plans to look after foreign workers who have, especially those who have been injured. Okay, so uh, people after they uh, either fall down or things fall on them, or some other accident, that's why accident is in the name. Uh, they come to us, we provide uh, follow-up for them, uh, especially after their hospital visits. Then after that, they, they may have some time left in Singapore, but um, and they may still feel pain, they still feel or have some limitation of mobility. Uh, they come to us, we uh, recommend them a physiotherapist or use a TCM doctor to reduce uh, the pain that they feel. Give, uh, we normally will give them some exercises to do in their dorms or in their uh, uh, sleeping places so that they can improve their body's mobility and that they may get better before they go home. That is the main job, but we do have some subsidiary uh, uh, work that we do. We go into the dorms uh, to run programs for them to check on their mental health to one of the most recent programs it took about 80 migrant workers from one of the dorms to gardens by the bay plan to send another set of workers to the singapore river cruise other things we do is uh, provide food for the injured uh, because some of them are not giving given food by their bosses uh, when they stay here in uh, especially those who stay in little india yeah, thank you. Uh, can you just share with us, how did you end up in this field? Okay, good question, but a rather long story. Uh, I am, I was a late bloomer in, in O-level. I didn't do very well. Um, and uh, much later, I was, um, so I went to work. I didn't uh, really complete my A's. I went to work, and a few years later, I decided it is time to, take a diploma, do something more than just work as a clerk at the time. And uh, so I did. I took a computer course at Comsotrack, a now closed company, a training school. And uh, I got quite good results, surprisingly. Uh, but uh, uh, that allowed me a direct entry in the second year in a university in Salford. Uh, this university is in Greater Manchester, actually its sole claim to fame is it is walking distance to Old Trafford, a Manchester United football ground. Yes. So I got an IT or computer degree. Coming back to Singapore, I worked for a number of years and then decided that uh, computers, while fun to play with and to do things with, uh, it's not very much fun long term to be a career. 
So I decided to uh, talk to people instead of talking to computers. <laughs> so I did that um, and I changed. I did a, f a few years in uh, another company, another NGO. And uh, in the last like 10 years ago, I switched to HealthServe, which does similar things to us. Uh, but uh, about a, a few years ago, uh, uh, we I was surplus, so I decided to to uh, to move to this company, which does uh, which has a more personal touch, I guess, in uh, to reach to the foreign workers. Yeah, so it seems like you made a complete switch from like computers to to going out and and putting yourself out there with humans. Yeah. Can you tell us more about? Your, your joys and maybe your, your learning experiences as well when dealing with people, migrant workers in specific as well? Okay, that's a very, very good question. And actually, there's a lot, lot of things to say. I'll, I'll try to reduce <laughs> yeah, yeah. it down just to go, a, just go ahead. Small, yeah. a smaller bit. What I've learned uh, in this, uh, doing this work is one, um, they are afraid of us, okay? So as, as much as we are afraid of them, these people from another country, uh, they are even more afraid of us. They, so they don't tell us everything they want to say because they're afraid of us or they're afraid of who we may tell, maybe not us personally, but who, may, who we may tell. And therefore, information is very hard to get uh, from them. Uh, sometimes it seems easy, and I write uh, what they say, I write down. Uh, some of them have... have reasonably good English, surprisingly good English. Uh, and they do tell us, but I learned later uh, that uh, many of what they say are uh, limited truth, what the English calls economical with the truth. Uh, and I, I think I, I value that because what they are doing is not lying to us. In their minds, they are trying to keep themselves safe, and so they put away some information that they don't tell you. Uh, or they don't want to tell you. Even I ask a question, and sometimes ask, after three times, they still don't answer. So you need to persist and don't get hurt by this um, reluctance to share information to you. You're a stranger to them as much as they are a stranger to you. Why would they want to tell you anything? They are, they are fearful. They're a country not their own. They're an environment in the city, not not something they're used to. They're almost all, uh, including the Indians and the Chinese, they're all from the country, uh, almost all from the countryside. And therefore, they don't understand the rules of play here. And therefore, they will not freely give information. So that's one thing I've learned, to be patient with them, to be patient with myself, because also trying to understand them, I get frustrated that I can't find the right words that, so that they will understand me. Yeah. So, like over time, what do you think are like some of the strategies that you use to get them to open up to you more? Okay, the strategy, the main strategy is to keep quiet and let them talk as far as possible, except for maybe some prompters. I have learned that they, especially the Bangladeshis, uh, the Chinese are a lot harder, I think. I, I don't deal with the Chinese workers so much as my colleagues. Um, but the Bangladeshis um, are willing to talk. So shutting up is actually a, a good beginning strategy. And then secondly, uh, rewording your question so that uh, uh, it's a simpler word 
a simpler phrase, um, uh, maybe even describing what you want to them in a picture, if you can. Uh, other strategies, the, simp the most direct strategy is to get uh, Bangladeshi to write the word in Bangladesh or the question in Bangladeshi or Bengali, sorry. Uh, yes, or Tamil or whatever it is. Uh, so these are the coping strategies um, and sometimes some of them actually improve even in the short time they're with SG accident. The level of English actually goes up because they listen to us and they learn why we do certain things and they, and they are very fast in picking up. So previously, like you mentioned that um, you guys do mostly of workplace injuries. Yes. Yeah. So in what, in what specific situations will you have to get them to like, open up to you? Okay, uh, a few different things. One is the workplace injury uh, because they know uh, because they know there are few key magic words in which it'll help them to get their compensation. One of which is I am working or I was working during the injury. And so they always churn this out. Uh, the question is whether that's true or not. Uh, like I said, they, they reserve the economical with the truth so that uh, they can make sure they get their compensation. But uh, uh, you need time uh, to work through. And once they trust you, they will sometimes tell you the truth about what happened. And, and that has happened to me a few times. Uh, sometimes it's just one detail rather than this big thing is the accident happened in the office being the problem. It could be that they didn't have anybody with them and therefore they can't find evidence or witnesses to prove that this happened. So that that is part of the issue and we need this information to convince MOM that the, incident, the accident or incident happened while uh, they are supposed to be working. So that is, yeah, so that is one of the things that you have to learn uh, to be patient. Yes, that's, that's my favorite. Uh, you need to be patient. If you treat them as a friend, which is what SG Accident wants us to do, one of our tagline, one of the important emphasis is community. Community means it doesn't matter if they lie to you. Uh, you can put in a little bit of trust in them and eventually they may tell you what actually happened. If, if there are lies or if they're incomplete truth, that's more accurate that some of the truth they tell is incomplete. Yeah, thank you. You mentioned that some of them are not entirely truthful all the yes. time. Yes. So how do you balance helping uh, the workers on their own terms and deciding for yourself how the best way to approach the situation is for them? Very good question. And it's down to... How, you, how we judge them. We don't judge them for the lie. Okay, that's what I've, I've agreed with my boss and, and with my other colleagues that lying is their way, defense mechanism. But we can balance out what you feel he thinks is or you, you feel is accurate and the things that is questionable. So it, on the balance, if he is still disadvantaged because of his injury, we will still help. Uh, it's not about uh, this guy is lying, therefore we don't help him. This guy is doing something wrong or had a crime. He did a crime or something like that, so we don't help him. It is more um, how do you get, how can we improve his situation? How can we improve his situation to the point that he trusts us enough to tell us at least a bit of the truth? 
because um, a lot of the things we have, the general principle is if he comes and has community, then he will get some help. If he trusts us enough to come and help us in, uh, say, cooking for the migrants or going to an event and maybe engaging students with us, then uh, we give them a little bit a little bit of incentive so that they realize that we appreciate them. It's not to bribe them, but it's to give them some, uh, to acknowledge the time they take to come and talk to people who they really don't need to talk to. It's not going to help them to talk to students in Singapore. They're not going to get uh, better points in their, for their weaker uh, injury. They're not going to get famous from this, these interviews. But when they help us, uh, we say to to compensate them for the time and the effort uh, we we uh, do uh, give them a little bit more then when they realize this they actually know or they actually learn that they too can help others so this is actually one of our it's not a stated aim of SG accident but it's one of the things we enjoy boasting I don't know whether that's the right word but telling people about where when they go home or they stay here and they they get other migrant workers who are injured to come uh, to here or even better still when they go home they found their own NGO or they join another NGO to help their own people both of these things I think make me very happy so on that note do you think that you have found like your purpose in life through this like <laughs> Okay, my purpose in life is God, but uh, uh, that is um, uh, a bit too generic for some people and others may not uh, be happy with this, but it is true. And one of the reasons why I do this is because I think uh, God has put in my heart uh, a love for others, for those especially who are marginalized. So a lot of my work and a lot of my free time is actually spent uh, doing uh, these kinds of uh, what we, we service learning or community service work uh, uh, that I do uh, both here in Singapore, in Malaysia, and uh, uh, once in a while in Thailand. Can you elaborate a bit on what is service learning and what do you usually do on your trips? Okay, so one of the things in service learning is is a two word. Uh, a hyphenated word rather. Um, service is is giving or doing something for somebody. Learning is to learn from somebody, to, to learn from somebody else other than some somebody like me. Okay? So you do both at the same time. When you serve others, you learn from them. And and this is actually a very good concept because in some cases we sort of feel superior when you go to a community which is poorer than you you would say uh, okay la, let's just give them this amount of money and walk away or this amount of money and this work and then walk away um, when you learn from them uh, you empower them to teach you empower them to contribute to their community and our community that the people who are supposed to be helping them uh, and and when that happens um there is, um, there is pride maybe or uh, just a, 
positive view of themselves because the poor normally have this view I'm useless I can't do anything I need somebody to help me okay if we can instill in this service learning project uh, that they are helping us as well as we are helping them uh, simultaneously uh, so one of the projects uh, I, I teach currently Rohingya children who are refugees in Malaysia and uh, uh, it is enlightening these are children some of them have never gone to school others have gone to a few years of learning uh, but they're not used to classrooms so it's very hard to sit them down very hard to keep them disciplined uh, okay but this is one of the enjoyment uh, of my week every week i have two to four classes uh, and uh, uh, they all zoom in um, in in various central homes so that they don't have to have so many computers or phones in their houses so they just go to a central home and zoom myself or one of the other teachers and we can uh, learn together uh, so that's one two um, okay, there's a lot to say um, uh, I, I go to Thailand I, I run uh, a regular it used to be yearly with ITE and, and, and this other uh, NGO called uh, Asian Journeys Limited so we, we, we have I've done one project with or two projects with Singapore Polytechnic uh, but now we were concentrating on ITE because they normally have less resources than the polytechnics. So we go to a Karen people group in the mountains. Uh, they have set up a, a hostel for students of the Karen and Hmong people group. I don't know Hmong, I don't know how to pronounce it, H-M-O-N-G. Because these two people groups live in the higher hills and uh, uh, kilometers, 60, 70 kilometers from any town with education so they have to travel down to a, a town which is near a school so this guy this guy has set up a hostel walking distance to the school he would every day walk to school and come back and stay overnight at this hostel uh, so we go there because uh, they are mountain people their uh, agriculture does not bring them a lot of money uh, they don't have very much resources to even things like food and refurbishment of their their dormitory, their toilet. So we go there and uh, build it for them or paint it or build a well uh, and engage them in English um, lessons or games. Uh, it's quite fun. You would think ITE students are not the best to teach them English, uh, but uh, they are very motivated to do this and I'm happily surprised at, at this yeah, so these are the two but yeah thank you uh it seems like there's a very consistent thread in all that you do it's this emphasis that you have on being on the ground in yep. building relationships with people yep uh, and i think a lot of uh, our podcast audience would be uh, fresh graduates from jc and were like contemplating on what we should do in university and i think the temptation for a lot of us young people is to emphasize practicality more than relationships and understandably uh, when we choose to be there physically down all the time we can't bless them as much materially as well 
So how do you think we can balance this this need for relationships, non-material giving, and and also practical help and financial help, like throwing money at the problem kind of thing? Okay, so do one thing at a time. Okay, that that's the simplest way to put it. If you have a concern for, say, the poor in Singapore, or the migrant in Singapore, or uh, uh, somebody with muscular dystrophy or whatever, take your time to ask what is needed. And it may just be one thing. Uh, it doesn't have to be every week. It doesn't have to be your job. So it can be maybe once a month. Or the orphans, okay, that's, a, that's an easy, actually to me, easy fix. The orphans, they are or those people who, who fam, whose family cannot really look after them. And sometimes they're in Cheshire Home or some other homes around us. We can go there and say, what can I do? Uh, ask them how, how, how much time do I need? I think I, I've done che- the, the Cheshire home before and I know it needs a short time over a long period of time. So you need to sp- maybe spend two hours with the children once every two months, or once every three months. And, and that is good enough. That's a good way to see the other as part of your community. Uh, that's how you do it. If you're doing it just because I'm telling you to do it, don't do it, right? Uh, do what you have, especially if you have a relative or friend involved in this situation, then you'll be a bit more, your heart is a little bit more attached, right? Uh, but it doesn't have to be. It could be something you just, for some whim, you decide this is interesting thing to, to start on. Do that. Spend time there. Ask questions. Ask questions of the VWO staff. VWO staff and not uh, and and don't just ask the managers of the organization because sometimes uh, uh, they know what they want they may not know what the people on the ground sometimes they don't know what the people on the ground actually need if you can talk to them please do uh, talk to the people who are supposed to be the what do you call them they are the recipients yeah that's what is normally that's what they are normally called uh, so spend time with them Maybe once a year, even if you if you really don't have the time, but at least take some time out to spend time with them. Then develop your thinking as to whether you want to spend more time with them when you're older, when you have your own money, uh, and then uh, when if you do it when you're young, you will at least think about it when you're old. If you d- say, "Oh, I'm going to do it after I start working," "Oh, I do it when I have my." Uh, uh, break between uh, my university or na- and national service or by, by before I plan to go postgraduate studies overseas. 40-50% uh, of them don't actually do anything. They find too many things to do. We are too busy a nation to postpone those kind of things. You, you do it now, you do it slow. You don't do too, don't do too much. Uh, don't overstretch yourself. Don't overstretch your, your financial capability. Uh, but uh, start now. Just go and talk to somebody, uh, either in your temple, your church. Uh, talk to your friends, what they're doing. How can you contribute? Yeah, and for you, could you could you also just share with us and elaborate? How did you find out that that migrant workers were the people that you wanted to serve, and not and not anyone else? Wow, difficult question. <laughs> um, uh, there is a burden. Actually, I I want to serve everybody. <laughs> Uh, there is a burden for the marginalized, like I said. Um, why migrant workers? Okay, um, all this work 
that I've mentioned before, the, the orphan and all that, you need a team. Uh, don't try to do this alone. Don't say, okay, this poor family, I'm going to help. And then ignore everything else that's happening because this is what a lot of Singaporeans think they, they, they do better than helping the organization. Uh, why is this so? Because you are not, you're not the hero of this show. Uh, if you are the hero of the show, then it becomes a matter of pride. I do this because I can do this. Um, and then they will see that you are doing this for your own gratification. And they will let lose more and more respect. When you do it in a team, you, you learn from each other because others have been doing this longer than you. Others have tried and failed. And, and that's the most important thing, the failed. If you have, if you have failed, you learn. Okay, so a new bird sees everything he, he, he thinks of is, is right because I'm doing it, I thought of it. All the rest are stupid. Right? This is the attitude of many Singaporeans. But you need to um, work with people who have failed. Okay? You, need to work with, you need to work with people who have uh, done it, tried, failed, picked themselves up and done it again. Because then you will learn humility. You will learn that you are not the only thing that is helping the only organization or thing that's helping them. Uh, so my encouragement is find an organization first. Uh, if you have like-minded people, you have like 12 friends who are willing to do something that is new, and we have some organization like Migrant X, me and a few others, uh, uh, you can try. But again, my encouragement is for you to go uh, under the wings of an uh, established organization, uh, if possible. Uh, some, sometimes they don't want uh, these people to set up their own companies to come on you. SG Accident is one who is willing to do that. You want to set up another migrant NGO, please do. There's so much work to do. Come, learn from us. We will ask you, what do you want to do? Uh, we will say, okay, we've done that. It doesn't work. You want to try? You please try. Okay? Uh, or we've done that. It works. Uh, can we show you how we've done it? If you think it's, you can do it slightly better, please show us. So this is how we learn from each other. Uh, most of the NGOs working in migrant uh, work have experienced this. So we have learned to stay or mostly do what we are good at and then ask the migrant workers to go to the other NGO who are better at other things and then they will get help from there. So it is uh, a collaboration. So same thing if, you're, if you, are, you desire something which isn't happening and nobody is doing this before, then talk to somebody who is in NGO work or talk through, work through what needs to be done. Uh, and, and yeah, like I said, be on the ground. If you're not on the ground, talking theoretically is a waste of time. I have friends who can talk about helping the poor, uh, educating the ignorant, so-called, uh, and uh, other things, but they don't actually do. Uh, they're willing to put throw money at it or give money. Okay, I say throw money because sometimes uh, some of the money gets frittered away on things that are not really helpful to the to the recipient. Uh, but it's, that's why it's, it's better for you to be on the ground. Uh, even if you don't think you can do it permanently, you'll be on the ground and learn what the needs are before you maybe withdraw, earn your big bucks and send some money to the people who are actually doing it on the ground. 
Yeah, so it seems like you are very for people who people to do like volunteer work, right? Um like as um someone who just graduated from like JC. It's quite like a tough mindset to get yourself in. Like I think we like when we are young, we we would think about like money and like passion rather than trying to uh, think of how can we help someone in that sense. Yeah, so how do you think we can like change our mindset such that we can put others first instead of our needs in that sense? Okay. Yeah. A very hard question to answer because if you don't want to change, no matter what you you won't change. Uh, if your primary goal is money, uh, uh, then it it's going to be very difficult. There is no financial uh, reward for doing this type of thing. Um, in fact, you normally have to spend money to help people. Yeah. So I I've uh, been involved longer than what I explained to you the past uh, the past NGOs that I've within because. What I've done is during school holidays, school times, and later on, I would take leave to 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 do some of this uh, community service work or service learning work um, uh, without uh, funding. I fund my own trips, um, uh, but I find it very satisfying, especially overseas trips. Uh, why is this so? I find uh, I encourage all Singaporeans who want a richer experience in their lives to go and do an overseas community serv- um, or service learning uh, project. Uh, why is it so? It's because we are comfortable in Singapore. When you're comfortable, you learn less. Because you're not looking for things to solve your problem, you learn less, right? So I've done, been doing overseas trips, not just uh, for ser- service learning, but uh, mission trips and other things. Uh, going up with churches, singing in various places in Malaysia, Thailand, uh, Australia, Indonesia. And uh, I think, um, and I've learned that if you are uncomfortable, if you are in a difficult situation, you look for things that helps you adjust. Okay? You look for people who help you adjust. And when that happens, you learn to talk to people, you learn to get information from your surroundings, you learn to ask for help, which I think Singaporeans don't need. On the whole, if you're in Singapore, most students have enough money to solve their own problems. I'm thirsty, I just go to Starbucks or whatever, 7-Eleven, buy or each a cup or something like that and buy what, what I need. Once you're overseas, even with the money, sometimes you solve, your problem doesn't solve. Right? So you really need to think it through, you think about the people that can help you translate your words into something the officer in front of you needs to hear um, uh, uh, and so you learn more so you will appreciate doing this kind of service learning uh, when you do it so I encourage you to do it once Okay, if you feel that it's a waste of time then okay, you do what you like and when you grow old you, you've earned your money then you realise Donating some of the money will get you more tax rebates. Then do that. Okay, I'm I'm okay with that. It's okay, right? Each to each his own. But uh, if you like me, have learned that when you go overseas and you try to help people, you need to learn and you will learn. 
And because you learn, your world is much bigger than it is if you stay in Singapore and just do your job and collect money. Even vacations, okay, I, I, I have to say this because nobody will ask. Many of us have a practice of one year, every year having one vacation overseas. I don't. My wife and I decided if we want to go vacations, we do something. I visit some uh, person who may be lonely, uh, go and check with some of the organizations which are, uh, are there in the country, see what we can help, go and visit World Vision office there, uh, ask questions before we go, and we do that. We don't just vacation, vacation. go there and just clear our rubbish and just empty your minds and just learn, I don't know, skiing, horse riding, whatever you do. So when that happens, actually I find the best part of my vacation was the interaction with this person who I never knew before I went for vacation. Okay, so I think we can start wrapping up, right? So before we end, right, I usually like to do a like segment where I just ask you like some quick questions so you can just okay. reply like however you like. Yeah. So do you have any advice for um, younger people generation other than to go for service learning trips yeah uh, develop a heart for people because uh, if you when i was young I, I wasn't although i did some of this service learning when i was younger i i didn't really care about that but i did grow because of the trips uh, but you need to develop some of us are like that it we are stoic we are Reserved, maybe. I, I am definitely reserved. Uh, we may not want to, hi, 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 big celebratory, the party animal kind of thing. And some of us are not. Uh, but if you are not, especially if you are not, then develop slowly a heart for people. Because if you don't do that, uh, even if you do well in your, your career, your line of work, and people don't matter to you, you may not go very far uh, in your organization. As you go higher in that organization, you deal with more and more people. And if you cut them off from you yourself, you will become a lousy manager, right? So I think if you develop heart for people, it doesn't matter how high or how low you are, uh, people will recognize that. And that to me is valuable, uh, not in terms of financial gain, but in terms of uh, others valuing your contribution to the organization. Yeah. So, um, anything you wish you had done differently? Okay. My my normal wish is I wish I could, I I decided to study earlier. Okay. Like I said, I didn't do that well in my O level. In fact, I didn't say that I I actually failed quite badly my A levels the first time I tried it. Um, it may be because I was lazy, uh, but it's also I did not appreciate what I was learning. So that, that could be a problem for some of, some of you listeners. And, uh, and if that is the... Okay, so I, I'll tell you my story. Uh, uh, but because both my parents were teachers, I valued learning, although I did not value what I was studying. If you, know the, if you can try to guess my meaning. Uh, uh, it seems all very boring to me, especially uh, when mm. I was 16, 17. Um, so I wished I, I, I valued learning and studying at that time. Uh, but I think the journey, although longer than most to, to my degree, 
um, has also helped me appreciate uh, those who cannot or does do not have the uh, uh, capacity, financial ability uh, to study. So I, I that's why I, I uh, tried uh, did some work with the poor, and I still do to a limited degree. So uh, the last question would be. What is an um, easy way that people can find more meaning in their lives? <laughs> um, that's a difficult question to ask because all of us have our own goals. Uh, the problem is many goals is they don't really bring meaning to your life. Uh, sad to say the most common one is money and those that actually brings almost negligible, negligible uh, meaning in life. Why do I say this? Is because um, a friend of mine worked in a trust company, a trustee company. So what they do is they take money from people of high net worth, uh, meaning $2 million is actually small money for this kind of company. Uh, $2 million is considered small money, not, mm, not an A-class customer. Right, so they, they, they have tens of millions and some of them even hundreds of millions of dollars. And he told me none of them are happy. None of them, or none of his customers actually, to be quite accurate. Huh? Maybe there, are, there may be a few millionaires out there who are happy, but none of his customers are happy. And I heard one story which has actually frightened me a lot because this lady, who is a multi-million dollars, worth of uh, funds um, uh, because she's angry at her parents. Why she's angry at her parents? Her parents gave a cut of the money to her cousin. So she was very, very so angry at her parents she refused to get married. She refused to uh, spend the money wisely booking two very large penthouse rooms in a hotel for the rest of her life. To help fritter away the money and when she died her will says to give this money to a cat uh, sanctuary in UK uh, which is about the best news of all the rest uh, it, she, she is angry at somebody who's already dead they cannot feel the anger right I, 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 I think it's a wasted anger and it's an anger that uh, basically is an anger pointed at herself she is absorbing the bitterness that she feels for her parents and poisoning her wounds. Uh, so m the problem is the money, because she thinks the money is hers, it becomes like the cousin steal from, stole from her this money, right? So money is not a very good way to feel value in life, feel uh, respect, because eventually it becomes like this. I, 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 I mean... My brother is trying to take this house from me because my parents say it's supposed to be for me, but he's taken it. Right? Uh, I say rich people's problems. Uh, this is so money is not a good goal. The other goals, I think it's fine. Uh, some people say I want this money to feed or to buy my family a house. That is a much better goal. My my grandmother who's looked after me for many many years, and I want to buy her a house. Because there is a reason behind money. Money is not the main objective. Money is a means to an end, which is why how you must deal with money. If money is the goal, 
then money becomes your master. It's not. Uh, the Bible says, the root of the love of money is the root of all evil. And I know some of you are not Christians. Doesn't matter, right? If your money is your goal, it becomes your master. When you want to desire to do something, preferably for others, even your family member, that's not a problem. You want to buy your your father a house, your mother a house, your siblings a house, or get send them overseas for study. That's a good reason. That's a good start, at least, to a meaning life. Because eventually, you may get the house. They they may get their studies. Your grandmother be may be well taken care of, and then what do you do? So, but it's a good start. At least you're thinking of others first, and the goal is not the money. So that that's my my take on meaning in life. It is uh, it needs to be, at least to me, it needs to be outside of yourself to mean uh, anything. Okay, so uh, thank you for sharing. Yeah. So before we go, yeah. would you just like to? Um, maybe promote the cafe that you guys are building. Sure. Yeah. Okay, that's that's a new thing that we are about to open. We, uh, there are a few uh, uh, procedural things we need to set up and get permissions for before it starts. It's a dream for five years. Uh, uh, the boss Eric has been trying to get this going, and at last, it's almost here. Um, what we want to do is have a place where migrants and sit and eat but also Singaporeans can come and eat as well so when they come they get to get uh, to eat good food some of the food will be prepared by a chef who has many years of experience cooking and uh, a sister who is uh, who, who makes very nice uh, desserts French desserts especially but other desserts as well um, so come here eat uh, realize that you're sponsoring a foreign worker uh, and their food um, or you can come and eat with them if you can if we, you can ask us to try arrange this for you uh, and then uh, it becomes also a place where you can run events if you want to do uh, maybe a Christmas event here uh, you can come and uh, do this uh, no, doesn't have to be with the migrant workers you can run it for yourself or a training event for example a seminar uh, because we have quite a uh, big TV to flash some of the uh, uh, slides onto, um, you can do that here. Uh, or you want to cater a large event in your organization or your building, uh, 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 it can also be done. Uh, so this is meant to fund. Uh, what we like to do is get this to fund itself and possibly uh, get some profit so that it can be channeled back to SG accident to, to do other things like take take migrant workers out to, to Gardens by the Bay and all of that. Uh, so uh, this cafe is going to be called Sol Sojourn Cafe, as in journey. Uh, so we want to journey with the migrant workers uh, and, and use this time to build a community with the migrant workers here. So please come. Okay, so thank you uh, for having and done this podcast with me and thank you to Lucas for being my co-host. Thank you very much. My pleasure.